So this morning we are uh, taking a bit of a break from our First uh, Peter series to celebrate Christmas, to talk about the birth of Christ, and to spend time reflecting on that and what it means for us. Um, a morning just to delight in the reality that Jesus has come, that our Savior came for us to give us new life, to give us hope. For me, uh, preaching uh, during Christmas is especially difficult. Uh, one is because we have heard these stories every year of our lives since we've been born. <laughs> and oftentimes we hear this story, we hear the, the really beautiful um, kids' version. You know, we see mangers and, and animals that are all clean and tidy and bright, crisp straw. <laughs> And a beautiful uh, child wrapped in warm clothes, lying in a well-built, very picturesque manger, and the star and the light and the parents. And we get this uh, really romanticized vision of it, that we oftentimes overlook the poverty that was a part of it, how poor uh, Mary and Joseph were, how difficult it would have been to give birth to a child in a stable. Um, we forget about or we kind of overlook the fact that there was a homicidal dictator, Herod, who was seeking to kill Jesus before he even saw his first year. And so it's going to be difficult because we've heard this story so many times that we can forget about some of the realities of it. And I'm wondering too this year, for all the times if we've heard this story, have we lost something? You know, it's, it's human nature for us to take things for granted, to take grace for granted, to take fact that God became human and came here for us to take that for granted. I was thinking about it some this week that there's this saying that familiarity breeds contempt. The more familiar we are with something, the more easy or the easier it becomes for us to overlook it at very least or to be contemptuous of it. But I was also thinking uh, this morning too that I didn't want to just come and, and push um, sunshine at you. <laughs> And this thought that, you know, um, it's Christmas, it's cr tomorrow is Christmas Eve, uh, Tuesday is Christmas Day, Sarah's clapping, she's excited. <laughs> but sometimes I think the best way to feel joy and appreciation is to speak honestly about how difficult things are. To speak uh, honestly about the things that we face each day. You know, sometimes I, like this week I've been asking the question, how is this story gospel? How is Jesus um, born to Mary and Joseph? How is that gospel? How is that good news? I have some ideas about that, but I didn't want to just take it for granted. But we get into how is this story good? You know, because we all recognize that there's cute parts of it and you know, there's sentimental parts of it. But how do we get at the good news of it? The world-changing, life-changing good news of it. How do we not take what happened? How do we not take it for granted? I suspect some of you maybe are in this similar place. Or maybe now that we've been talking about it, you're wondering too, yeah, Jason, that is a good question. I wonder if you hear this story as good news or old news. The story of Jesus coming to earth, of God becoming human. As many times as you've heard that, 
How does it strike you? Because I know some of you are here this morning and you are facing real trouble. Some of you are here this morning and you are facing financial trouble. It is overwhelming. You feel overwhelmed by it and you're not sure what to do. Some of you are here this morning, you have trouble in your marriage. Things have not been right for a long time and you feel it and you're not sure what to do. Some of you are here this morning and you have trouble with your kids. Maybe things, the choices they've made, that you just can only sit back and cringe and hope that they find their way through it. Or some of you are watching your kids and you see the things that are happening to them despite their best efforts. You see things just crumbling around them. Some of you here this morning and you have trouble with aging parents and how hard it's been. And you need to hear good news. Some of you are here this morning, you have trouble with your health, constant pain, life-threatening diseases, things that make life difficult. Some of you just have the general weight of life that doesn't work out. Things, even maybe even simple things that could have gone better this last week but didn't. Or maybe it's just the general weight of the broken world around us. The war, the wars, the violence, the greed, the struggles for power, the arrogance of politicians around us. All of these things, this downward spiral of society, things that we look at and we just think like, oh, does it kind of get any worse? Maybe we ask, you know, is God still there? Is God still here? Does he still care? (coughs) Some of you are maybe exhausted, yet you find you have trouble sleeping. Some of you are discouraged, and yet you still put on a smile so that no one will know. Maybe some of you are here this morning, and you are fuming. Your anger runs just below the surface, frustrated with how things just refuse to work out. And so you come this morning at some level hoping to hear a good word, hoping to hear a word from the Lord, hoping to hear good news. Well, in the first century in Israel, they were agonizing for a Savior also. The last prophet, Malachi, had spoken over 500 years before. And then the people of Israel were taken into exile to Babylon. A whole group of the people just ripped out of their homeland, taken to Babylon for a generation. And then the Babylonians were overthrown by the Persians. And some of, that, some of those people were able to return home and build a temple again. And then the Greeks came around 330 B.C., and took over again. And they were under the laws and under the oppression of another uh, empire. And it was difficult then because the Greek empire was trying to make everyone Greek, sacrificing pigs in the temple, which were a complete affront to the people of God. And then there was this moment of old glory when uh, 
For about a hundred years, Israel ruled themselves. And then around 50 BC, the Roman Empire came again. Or the Roman Empire came. And this time, uh, they oppressed the people. They took over. And they set up a king who would be favorable to them. And so the people of Israel at the time of Jesus' birth, they lived under two rulers. Officially, they lived under Caesar, uh, the Roman emperor. But the people of Israel also had a king, King Herod, who was an evil dictator, who killed his own children, wives, brothers, anybody who threatened his power. Can you imagine living in a place where you were occupied? So you had foreign forces coming, Roman soldiers who lived among them, who mistreated them. Not only that, but you had Jewish soldiers who were loyal to Herod, who mistreated you. All the while, trying to just make ends meet. Trying to survive by growing food on a small little plot of land. This hard scrabble existed, trying to eke out a life. And as if life weren't already hard enough with the Roman dictators and horrible dictator kings and just trying to survive on small bits of land, they had the religious leaders of their time. They had the Sadducees who were in the capital, who were so loyal to Rome and to their own power that they trounced all over the people, making them pay taxes when they couldn't afford to. And then you had the local group. They had the Pharisees. And this group really believed that they they were so adamant that if they could just get everybody to toe the line, everybody to follow enough rules, enough Sabbath-keeping rules that they could actually get the Messiah to come. Jesus talked about this. He talked about it when he said, you Pharisees, you pile weight on people's backs, but you don't lift a finger to help them. People were crushed. They were just trying to get through, agonizing, praying for, hoping for, waiting for the Messiah, the Savior to come, longing for freedom and justice and abundance that would come with the kingdom of God, with this Savior. Maybe they too were asking, is God still with us? Why has the Messiah taken so long? What could they do with all of this discouragement? It's into this difficult situation this hard place that the angel comes and speaks to Mary. If you would, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. Or if you want to, it's in your bulletin as well if you want to read it there. The angel says to Mary, he comes in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. 
since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So when you start looking at this passage, one, when you think about the situation that they were in, you think about the moment, the situation that some of us find ourselves, you begin to hear hints and whispers of hope. I mean, the angel says, Son of the Most High, Son of Yahweh, Son of God. This Holy One to be born is a divine Son, not just another person, but fully God and fully human, all in one. Which begins to speak to how Christ could come and save us as humanity, not just as God posing as a person, but actually God who truly became human and lived among us. Gabriel the angel says that he will sit on the throne of David. And we get another hint there as well as what sort of king he will be from the house of David, from the great king of Israel. Here God is fulfilling his promise that he made to King David that one of his family would rule forever. He would fulfill the role of Messiah, of Savior. Now we say Messiah. Actually, in our language, we usually say Christ, Jesus, Christ. And oftentimes people say it almost like Christ is his last name. But actually Christ, again, is the Greek word for anointed, which is the equivalent, the Greek word for Mashiach, or Messiah that we say in English. In Jesus' day, Messiah gathered up all sorts of meaning. Not only did it mean anointed one, as in a, a king or a royal leader, it began to, mean, began to have spiritual implications began to mean more than just political changes. It also meant spiritual changes, a people returning to God. It talked about a Savior who would change the world, who would make the world right again. And I was thinking about it this week, that Jesus has come to make life good. Not easy, but good. I think about Mary as she was uh, receiving this news from Gabriel. That it was good news. Mary, you're going to have a child, a baby, a son. And he's going to be the son of God. He is going to be the Messiah that you and your whole people have been waiting for. This is good news. Not only that, but he's going to be a king from the house of David. He's going to rule in the line of David. And he will not just rule for a while, he will rule forever. I can't imagine a mom who hears this word and is not encouraged by the son and by the hope for her son. But I couldn't imagine helping, or couldn't imagine, sorry, I couldn't imagine wondering what it would be like to be Mary as well. Not only is this good news, but it's also difficult news. Uh, One, because she's going to have this child out of wedlock. She's pledged to be married to Joseph, but she's not married yet. And here comes God saying, you are going to be pregnant with a child in a culture that despises children out of wedlock. I mean, can you imagine trying to explain it to people? 
as she, as her stomach, as her womb starts to grow, people asking, you know, Mary, what happened? Where does this child come from? And to speak honestly and say, this child is a child of God. That I have been faithful. I have not broken any vows. I have been faithful to, Ju- to Joseph, my husband, that I'm pledged to. But this child was, has uh, been conceived in me by God, by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine trying to explain that to somebody? How they would look at you as not only that you were sinful, but also crazy. We fail to understand, or harder for us to understand, is that Mary could have easily been killed for this. If Joseph were any sort of different man, he could have had her stoned to death. And actually, his honor, his family honor, called for it, demanded it. Not only that, she could have lost Joseph entirely if it weren't for the angel to come and intercede for her, to speak to Joseph in a dream. You know, and we think, oh, well, you know, heartbreak, you know, that would be a horrible thing. But actually, that would have been, that would have changed the course of Mary's life. She would have been um, unlikely to have been married ever again. That means she would have been a single woman trying to raise what looked like to everyone else an illegitimate child. Who knows what sort of uh, extreme she would have had to have gone to just to survive, just to put food on her table. She would have lived the rest of her life in poverty, probably begging or worse, anything to survive. She would have been a social outcast, a disgrace to her family, if her family even talked to her anymore. Easily exiled, thrown out of her village. We don't care where you go, you're just not welcome here anymore. I was thinking about this because the angel brings good news to Mary. Jesus, our God, has come to make her life good, but not easy. And then you have Mary's response. She says, Behold, I am the Lord's servant. This humble, faithful response, essentially saying, I will do whatever you ask, God. Whatever you ask of me, I will do it. I accept this responsibility that you are giving to me. And she takes the good even though it won't be easy. I was thinking about us this week. But how do we take this story that we've heard so many times and not take it for granted? How do we rejoice in this moment when there are things in life that are hard? How do I remind us as a church that Jesus has come to make life good But he doesn't come just to make it easy. I was thinking about how we come and we wish that this world were different. That Christ would come again and bring an end to the trouble we see in the world. That the violence, the wars, the greed, the things that go wrong in our society, we wish they would end. And we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. Bring your kingdom and make this place right. And not just the world out there, but our community right here. Lord Jesus, come that I could be reconciled to my neighbors or my friends or my coworkers. Not just bringing an end to the, the trouble and the hard things of life, but also bring your goodness, Lord, with your kingdom. A kingdom that's just and fair. We receive generosity and give it willingly where people are caring for one another, 
and putting others above themselves. Lord God, we pray that you would come and bring this kingdom. But here's the good news. This morning, not only are we longing for Christ to come, but we also have the good news that he has come already. That God took on flesh, skin and bones. And rather than waiting in heaven, hoping that we figure this all out, he dove in. God dove right into humanity to save us. He didn't stay distant. He didn't wait and hold back and hope we figure it out. He dove in to save us. And he didn't just dive into the surface. He dove to the very depth of humanity. I mean, think about this. I mean, God, to even become human, how scandalous that is. But even if he were to become human, he could have been born in a palace or just appeared as a king and lived in a palace at the height of power in the ancient world. But instead, he came as a child with poopy diapers and someone needing to feed him, to carry him everywhere he went. Born not in a palace, but in a manger, wrapped in cloth rather than a robe. This is how deeply God loves us. This is how much God loves us, that he would come this way. And not only that, but in his coming, he has given us a new way to live. He is already changing this world. Christ coming, the fact that Jesus has already come, has already changed this world and is continuing to change it. One, he makes us right in a broken world. I know it may seem strange at times when the world around us maybe acts like we're the ones that are broken and don't live right. But actually we trust God. That we follow him. And we become light, we become light in this dark place. Not only that, but following Jesus now keeps us from trouble. You know, we live in a world where there's all sorts of things open to us when things are hard. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, gambling. That's just to name a few. Lying, cheating, infidelity. These are the ways that the culture around us deals with trouble. And there's tons of pressure for us to do it the same way. But yet when we follow Jesus, we realize that those things, not only are they sinful against God, but they are destructive to us. And so we follow him. We continue to follow him and live the right way, the good way. The way that's not easy, but good. Not only that, but following Jesus brings an end to the trouble within us. And I don't mean this to sound just like trite Christianity talk. But I have experienced it myself, and I've seen it in many of you. That following Jesus, it brings peace when there's not a lot of peace to be had. It brings content in us when life seems to be a roller coaster around us. It brings joy. Joy despite hard times. I was thinking about that this morning. And trust me, I was realizing, even as I was preparing uh, this morning, and the, you know, this, Jason, this is seeming a bit heavy uh, for Christmas. And honestly, I was thinking, you know, do I need to change this, God? Because I want... 
I want to encourage our church. And then I started realizing there's a difference between joy and happiness as he was talking about it with the kids uh, just last week. Actually, two weeks ago. No, last week. That happiness comes from things that happen to you. You're pleased or delighted when, when good things happen. But joy is something that's in us and is consistent regardless of what's going on around us. And so this morning I opted for joy to stick with, with the message that God has given me that we are joyful acknowledging that there is difficulty in our lives, that things are hard. I know we live in a time of year when everyone's celebrating and no one wants to acknowledge that things are difficult or that things are broken. But I think the best way for us to experience true joy is to acknowledge it and then look at the reality that God has come, that Jesus has come and changes everything in us. That hope in Jesus does not make life easy but he makes life good. That we can follow him, not simply as a way to get out of trouble, but we can follow him as a way through trouble. The sort of approach that helps us grow as people, that grows us up as men and women, that makes us more faithful, deeper people, people who are able to relate to others who are in trouble as well. This morning, I want to call us as a church to spend time enjoying these next few days. Enjoying this story of God who has come to save us. There are going to be moments in the next few days, hopefully more, <laughs> more than not, when there are going to be moments of joy. I encourage you to grab a hold of them. Don't let them slip by. I know it's going to be busy and there's going to be people, you're going to be going to visit people or people are coming to visit. There's going to be baking and, and activities and things that are happening. Grab those moments of joy. Grab those moments of quiet too. There's going to be plenty of bustling around, but grab those moments of quiet and give thanks to God. I think one of the best ways or the best way for us to appreciate to not take for granted the fact that God took on flesh to save us is to spend time purposely giving him thanks despite everything else that's going right or wrong around us to give thanks to God to give thanks for his son to practice it to do it because we live in this amazing reality that Christ is coming gives us this hope as we look forward and able to deal with difficult things around us, but also the reality that he has come. That Christ has come. And so we can give thanks to him today. We can give thanks to him over these next few days even. Simple ways like praying, giving thanks. Simple ways like reading scripture, reading the gospels, reading uh, the first part of Matthew or Luke, which we've been reading today or John, spending time with Jesus. This simple thing that will remind us of how good it is that God has come. That will remind us that God is coming one day and the hope that comes with that, but also the fact that he has already come and changed our lives and changed this world. Amen.